You're listening to How She Creates. I'm your host, Lauren Hooper. This podcast is for the curious, the wanderer and the wanderers, the playful and the joyful. Every week, we are going to explore how to design a life full of creativity and whimsy. Now let's get curious and go explore something. This interview is a part of the How She Creates Good series. In these interviews, I get to shine a light on women who are using art and their creativity to empower others, advocate for social justice, and bring healing to our beautiful world. This series serves to educate, bring attention to amazing organizations, and inspire you to use your creativity for good. Hi, friends. Welcome to How She Creates. I am so glad that you are back today listening to another episode in our series of How She Creates Good, where I am interviewing rad ladies who are using their creativity to create good in the world. And I have Shayna from Still Petal Press on today to share with us about how she is changing the conversation on mental health and really opening it up in the creative sphere. And I am really thrilled for you guys to meet her. Shayna, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I I really love this conversation that we're going to have. And I think it's such an important one. And I'm really grateful that you are um, being willing to share about it and not only talk about it, but you're creating amazing resources to help people um, manage it and maintain it and create from it. And I'm, I'm just really excited to get into all of that with you today. But if you would just start us out by giving us just a brief intro to who you are. Um, so my name is Shana Norwood and I own Steel Petal Press, which is a letterpress greeting card and stationery company. And we also have a flagship retail shop in Logan Square, Chicago. Um, what we do is about 50% wholesale where we sell our cards to different stores all over the country. And then the other half of our business is kind of, um, in store, um, sales at our retail shop. So we started off doing greeting cards. That's kind of our bread and butter. But more recently, we've expanded into creating um, other types of products and home goods. So we have like stickers and mugs. Um, and our newest product is our mental health um, notepads, which we created to kind of help people manage their mental health, but, you know, create beautiful, beautiful products in the meantime. Um, and yeah, our mission is to share beauty and humor through the world with fam- through handmade stationery. So, um, yeah, that's what, that's what we're trying to do. So fun. I, I love your products. They are very, um, quirky and very fun. And so I think a lot of people are going to enjoy those. Where can people find you if they wanted to look you up really quickly? Uh, we have a website, a steelpedalpress.com. Uh, and then we also, um, social media is at Steel Pedal Press, kind of across the board. And then, um, yeah, our retail shop is in Logan Square, Chicago. So if you're ever visiting or if you live there, um, we're on Milwaukee Avenue <laughs> um, in the heart of Logan Square. Very, very cool. Um, I have not been to Chicago, but I really want to go. And I would definitely have to add your store to my list. I love visiting stores like this in person. They're so, so much fun. Yeah. Um, 
So, okay, can you share your creative story, how you fell in love with letterpress? Is that where you started? Kind of take us back to the beginning um, and tell us where all your creativity really started to take take flight. Yeah, so I was very creative in high school, and it was kind of the first way that I found an outlet for, you know, kind of being a angry teenager or angsty teenager that was lost and trying to find themselves in the world. So I took all like all the art classes that I could. I took painting, drawing, photography, mixed media, things like that. Um, and it really allowed me to, like in those days looking back, I realized how much it allowed me to kind of express what I was feeling at the time. Um, even though it was you're a young teenager, you don't really understand it that well, at least you kind of have an, an outlet to put all those emotions into something that's outside of yourself. Um, so that's kind of really where everything started for me. Um, I went to art school for painting and drawing initially, and I didn't last very long. I kind of realized that um, I wasn't super interested in painting as a medium. So I left school for a few years trying to figure out what I was going to do. Um, but I kept kind of going back to being a creative and that's where my skills were. That's where my passion was. So when I ended up going back to school, I went to school for book and paper arts which was for me, or the art of the book. Um, and it was interdisciplinary art. Um, and that to me was because I was interested in more of telling a story rather than a specific medium. So taking this book arts class when I was finishing up my degree, I really fell in love with printmaking and letterpress printing as the medium. And then also kind of telling a story and having that be the basis of of what, what I was trying to make with my art. Um, and so then after that, I was at an internship for, um, right after school for book and paper arts as well. And then I took some more time off and I ended up going to grad school to get an MFA in book and paper art. And at this point I kind of decided that the art world wasn't exactly where I wanted to put my, put my energy, but I still wanted to do something that was, using my creativity and then also using these skills of letterpress. So a few years after school, I kind of started printing my cards. Um, what I, saw, I had done that while I was in school, but really part-time. And then afterwards, I kind of at some point was like, well, maybe I can see where this goes. So I started printing cards after that and distributed them to stores around Chicago. Um, and it kind of grew from there. I love hearing people's creative stories and hearing all the the twists and the turns and how, you know, you had to try things to figure out what you didn't like. And um, I love that you kind of kept leaning into that one thing and you're like, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to keep doing it. And I think that's just such like a big lesson that we just have to learn over and over again. And I'm like so glad that you kept going with that. Um, how did you, what, what is it about letterpress that you love so much? Um, for me, letterpress involves the machinery of it. It has uses these really big old printing presses from 50 years ago or like the newest ones. So I love the kind of old machinery of it, the tactileness of it. Um, and that like that's just in the physicality of it, let's say like more than painting, um, where I started. But I also, so I love the process of it, but I also love the democracy of it. You can print many, many at a time and get your message out onto 
you know, greeting cards that everybody can relate to. And to me, that's way more satisfying than making a painting that only someone with, you know, a PhD in art history can understand. Um, so for me, it's the combination of the both. Oh, I love that. And I love people, people need to go to your site and see your machines. Cause you've got some cool old machines in your, um, shop. And am I looking at the pictures, right? That you can like see the machines if you just walk into your shop to the shop? Yes. So the shop is about um, 1,700 square feet and only the front, maybe five or 600 square feet of it is dedicated to retail shop. And the back two thirds of the space is production, warehouse, shipping, um, all the other back-end logistics like that. So we have three presses there currently, two of one we use regularly. Um, and when you walk right into the shop, yeah, if you come on the right day, then you can totally see them printing. Our printing days are usually uh, Tuesdays and maybe some other days. But um, but yeah, people will come in and be like, do those things work? Like, how do you use it? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, part another part of our mission is to be able to expose people to letterpress printing and the process. So you can come in and actually see them working. That is so cool. Um, tell me your process. I mean, you don't have to explain how the machines work, um, but your creative process of where you get an idea to you've gone to the machine and now this card is up for sale. Um, so it kind of goes in a few different ways. Um, we have a release schedule where three times a year we release different categories of cards. Um, and so... I'll go into maybe like three or four months beforehand being like, you know, I need to do this many Valentine's Day cards and this many birthday cards. Um, and then I'll kind of start brainstorming, you know, uh, and like attach my ideas to like last time it was Valentine's Day. What did I want to tell my husband? You know, last time it was a friend's birthday. What did I want to tell them? And kind of come up with like phrases and ideas where it mixes maybe some images with some, you know, wording to to create the sentiment that I'm looking to um, to put on paper. But that's just one part of it. Another part of it is I just anytime there's a life event that happens or something that, you know, has meaning to me, that will also be a catalyst for different ideas for cards. Um, because really when people are giving greeting cards, it's during like a important life moment. Um, so anytime something like that happens, I usually use it as a time to think of like, what, well, what would I want to say in this time and how can I create that into a card? So it kind of is like it's ongoing, but then there's also focused periods of um, of creativity or trying to be trying to create things. Oh, that's fun. I love that you pull from your personal experience and that that's like a fun writing exercise that I think all of our listeners can do is think about, you know, the last time, you know, something big happened and what you wanted to say and, you know, push yourself to to experiment with that and see how many different phrases you can come up with, what the things you would say and see what you can create from that. That's maybe that'll be one of our challenges for today. <laughs> so if you do that, use the how she creates hashtag so that we can see that's a, that's a really fun writing exercise now that I'm thinking about yeah. it. Um, yeah. And greeting cards are so hard. Like it's hard to find one that you, that you like and you connect with um, personally. How do you 
kind of walk that line of translating like what you would say, what you think, you know, will sell, what people will connect with? Um, so for me, I have found that the the ones that are the ideas that are most important to me, my true to my voice are the ones that sell better than others. Um, so if I'm if I'm like, oh, I need to make a birthday card and then I say, you know, happy birthday. If it doesn't feel genuine, it usually that will translate and it doesn't do as well. Um, authenticity is something that really helps, you know, drive someone to relate to what you're doing and what you're saying. So I just try to stay authentic. I think sometimes if I get too caught up in what's going to sell, what isn't going to sell, how, you know, the, my, you know, the people who buy my cards want this, and then I make something that I think I, that they want, but not necessarily that I connect with personally, then it falls flat. Oh, I, I love that you use the word authenticity because I feel like it's such a buzzword mm-hmm. right now and everyone's using it, but I feel like the way you just used it was so spot on that we have to be honest and share what we really like and who we really are, and that's what makes our art connect. That's a really big lesson. Um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, so one of the big things that we're here to talk about today is mental health. Can you share your mental health story with us? Why it's important, why you want to share it, why you think we should be talking about it, especially as creatives? Yeah. So I think that creative people are more tapped into kind of the dark side or the emotional side of being human, I think more than someone who's analytical. So you're already going to be like slightly predisposed to potentially depression or, you know, any type of struggle with, you know, emotion. Um, But specifically my journey, I think it was inherent uh, it's genetic, um, so I got it. My mom got it from my mom's side of the family, um, and it was something that I struggled with on and off for you know probably twenty five years, starting from when I was a teenager, um, and I would go through episodes that each time would get like worse and more serious. Um, the older you get, also the more responsibility you have, so the harder it is to mitigate those type of feelings and mental breakdowns. Um, so, um, so yeah, so the most recent time that this happened to me was when I was running a store and I didn't really, I wasn't really able to take the break that I needed to. Um, and I was able to, you know, look for help outside and get the proper treatment and find a psychiatrist and a therapist. Um, but more specifically, um, I really, it got me to a place that I felt most stable about myself and finally coming out of, you know, years and years of struggling, it's uh, enabled me to be, feel strong enough and confident enough that I can share my story. Um, And I think for so many years, I was so muddled with emotion and anxiety and depression is so hard to think clearly about what was going on that I felt so much shame about it. And I just wish that I could have talked at those times more openly about it. Um, Just it wouldn't have necessarily solved anything, but it would have at least helped me feel less alone in my struggle. And it kind of becomes this downward spiral where the 
the more you struggle, the more you isolate, the more you isolate, the more you struggle. Um, so just being able to at least level that out a little bit. I won't say I wouldn't have struggled at all, but to have have eased some of that burden. Yeah, I I think you're exactly right. We have talked about this a lot here on the podcast is, um, you know, we don't believe that you have to struggle to be an artist. Um, you know, you don't have to tap into that part of, you know, you don't have to desire the the struggle and sit in the struggle to make mm-hmm. good art. That is definitely some stigma that I want to help mm-hmm. clear up. Um, you know, that your better art probably is coming out of your healthier mm-hmm. times. Um, and we want you to be healthy. Um, can you share maybe some of the signs that you were noticing that were triggering for you? Maybe now that you're like, I might need to get a little bit of help right now because things are looking like they're going in the direction Mm -hmm. I don't want them to. Um, For me, the first thing that always goes is my sleeping. So, and then again, it's another downward spiral of like the less you sleep, the more clear you can think, the more emotional you get, the less you sleep. So um, almost every single time I have had a some sort of mental breakdown. Um, and when I say mental breakdown, for me, that means, you know, I had to drop out of, or take time off of school and I had to move away from my one of my living situations. And I was, you know, put in a hospital for five days. So like, to the point where it wasn't functional on like a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it all of the times that I've had mental breakdowns was that I started off not sleeping well, and then it really starts to go and that's always the first sign that I need to rest more. If I can rest a little bit more in those moments, then I can sometimes get back on track. Sometimes I'm just, you know, I'm in school and it's finals and I'm in a bad living situation or I'm running a business and there's no time to get the rest. Then at those points is when it starts to kind of go downhill pretty quickly. So like, let's say like I'm not sleeping, I get four hours of sleep for like, you know, three weeks in a row, every consistently every night, like max by the end of it, it's just, I'm in such a state of, um, you know, distress that there's really nothing else I can do about it. Um, so I always, if I start not sleeping well, I always try to give myself a few days off where I I do not put pressure on myself to do any of the work on my to-do list, to do anything creative, even to like talk to people really. If I just need to rest and like feel like I'm taking care of myself, then that's usually the first sign. Yeah, I heard a statistic once, and I don't know where, so it could be totally made up, but it makes perfect sense that for one night of bad sleep, you need three nights of good sleep to make up for it. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally stand by that. Um, And I also heard that you actually can't catch up on sleep. mm -hmm. Like if you lost the sleep, it's lost. You can sleep more and then be well rested, but you're back at status quo. Like whatever happened to your body under stress, under the times you weren't sleeping is going to stay in your system. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like the more you learn about how sleep affects us and like what it does to our brain when we don't sleep, it's like things like you're saying that are not resettable. How does our mental health affect our creative work? So for me, it's, I, 
it's a balance between the both. So a lot of times when I'm feeling, because create there's creativity and then there's like analyzing and processing what I created in order to fuse it into something that's more coherent. So I can get totally in a zone and let's say be, manic's the wrong word, but just kind of get very focused and keep working. And that's when I get into my best creative flows. Um, But if I stay in those spaces for too long, I'm not, that's when it kind of starts to take an emotional toll on me. So that's when I need to kind of pull back and take the rest that I need and be able to look at it critically so that it can turn into something that's not just, you know, creative vomit on a page. Like it needs to be formed as well. So there needs to be a really, I think creativity, there needs to be a balance of, you know, purely emotional creative and then somewhat analytical, like what am I trying to say? Does it say this correctly? And that also could come from my academic background too. Um, But I feel like it's a push and pull of both those sides. Yeah. And how can we use our creativity to help heal and strengthen and share our mental health? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, just having an outlet for those pure raw emotions and using creativity to express how you are feeling or what you're going through in a way that's more than just a conversation using words. Um, so it's, it's like a visual conversation or a visceral conversation, or if you're cooking food, it can be like a taste, a conversation through taste. So there's so many different ways that you can communicate. Um, and creativity is kind of like the purest form of uniquely expressing your own point of view. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love that answer. Um, so, okay, so so kind of balancing out the flip side of that, how can we be more aware and supportive and open the conversation with our fellow creative friends or with anyone who may be struggling with mental health related issues? Um, I would say be as open-minded as possible. Like there should be no judgment, no shame, no questioning, you know, really accepting of someone and what their reality is at that time and helping them feel like even if you're not going through it yourself, you're there for them. You can't ever truly understand someone else's experience, but you can say, I understand that you are having this experience and I am here for you. Yeah, that that is such a a hard one, you know, to know what to say. Can you share any instances of things that people have said to you that were like the perfect thing to say, like the right thing at the right time? Um, I would say that it's sometimes not even saying anything, really, cuz it's words can be fall short in terms of the type of communication that you need. Um, and they don't fully describe the experience necessarily. So for me, I feel like, you know, just being there for someone, not trying to reason with them, not 
you just, you know, being like, I'm here for you. And then for me, it's also like a hug or just sitting in the room. Um, you know, if I'm having anxiety attack, it's full blown, like hysterical crying for multiple hours in a row. And that's not, there's no talking there. That's just me hysterically crying. Um, but just, you know, and that's hard also for someone to sit through that, to just sit there while someone's crying and not be able to do something, but just that simple act of being there with someone, um, shows that you can, you can be there, you know? So I would say just presence, um, and like maybe something physical, like holding a hand or hugging someone or just letting them get out what they need to get out. That's such a, you're right. Like that's such a hard one, but that just shows that we can all do that for one another. We can all just sit together. Um, and and I love that. Yeah you know, the confusion and the stigma and the just, you know, I don't know what to do. So I just like disappear. I know that's what so many people who, you know, have struggled with mental health have said that that was the biggest, most hurtful thing was everyone just disappeared. You know, when you like have a baby or you get married, everybody's mm-hmm. there and wants to ask what, how, how it's going. Um, but when we struggle with these kind of things, people just disappear. And that's, um, worse than being there and saying the wrong thing or, you know, just being there and saying nothing. That's, that's exactly what people need. And I love, I love that you're, you're sharing about that and we can encourage people to do that. Um, but what if, what if someone listening is currently struggling and they don't know where to turn, what to do, um, what would you say to them right now? And how would you encourage them to start looking for help and support? Um, let's see. It's, it's tough because I've been there obviously. Um, and it's a really confusing thing to navigate, especially if you feel guilty about it, or if you feel, you know, like you're trying everything you can and it's just not helping. Um, the number one thing I can say is, you know, be easy on yourself, be kind to yourself and know that you're not alone in this struggle. Uh, and then if there's something that you can, someone that you trust that you can reach out to, to just let them know where you are, they maybe don't, aren't going to say the right thing, or they maybe don't understand, but at least someone who knows that knows you and can remind you that they love you. Um, just start with that, you know, start with just telling someone. That's such a simple, perfect first step. And you have a list of resources on your website, correct? Perfect. Yeah. So I would encourage you to check out, um, Shana's, Shana's website. Um, so tell us how you are using your creativity to create good in the world. Well, um, for our, like I said, our bread and butter of our business is um, greeting cards. And our mission is that, or one of our core values is that beauty and humor brings joy to the world. So I started with that. And that's kind of been our, our main focus for our products over the last five to 10 years. Um, and then more recently, being able to talk more specifically about my issues with mental health and also to create a product that 
can be helpful in addition to being beautiful um, are the mental health trackers. So I've been trying to hinge that on starting the conversation of how can I share my story and help connect people through the pro- through the products that I make um, while also making it personal too. Yeah. Tell us more about your trackers. So we, uh, it started as the idea of that. I wanted to, um, share my story. Um, I finally became more, more comfortable with what I had been through and felt like I felt stronger in a way that I could talk about it without confusion or with less confusion, I guess. Um, And I have this business, so I wanted to use that as a platform in order to be more public about it. You know, anybody can be like, I have mental health issues, um, but, you know, only your friends are going to care. So having a business and a company and being able to use that um, to kind of the be the foundation on which I could talk about the my issues to reach a wider audience um, was where the idea stemmed from. So I really wanted to make a product that was useful, that wasn't just, um, you know, wasn't just a, you know, a quippy saying um, that was more than just a greeting card that could actually be put to use in day-to-day life. So we came up with the idea to do mental health trackers, and we have um, four different kinds currently, and then we're coming out with three more. Um, and it's just a way of putting down your thoughts onto paper in a non-judgmental way and your emotions onto paper so that you can kind of see them more logically um, and be able to understand it better. Sometimes when you get caught up in your own head, things just, you know, rotate around on a hamster wheel and never get, you know, picked apart and it's harder to understand them. So um, being able to write everything down and then to look at it, to be able to find a solution um, afterwards. And then also just to track, you know, did I have a good day most of the days and I just feel bad this one day? Um, Do I feel bad regularly and does it have to do with my water intake or what's been going on externally? Um, It's a good way to kind of like track things and understand what's going on internally. I am so excited about these. I love to track things. Um, I, I love a good, you know, journal, spreadsheet, checklist. Um, and I think this is something that we forget to write down in yeah. our, you know, time trackers and our daily to-do list. And you're so right. I have been dealing with a lot of anxiety the past few years that I I've kind of always low key had, but it really got ramped up and I didn't quite understand what was triggering it Uh until I got aware, you you know, just like what these, what, what these trackers are doing is showing you, okay, when are you having the bad days and what are you doing on those days? And that data is invaluable um, to your mental health and taking care of yourself. and. getting clear on that for myself was a big, big step for me and made all the difference. Um, so I hope people are really excited about this because they're really cute for starters. And, you know, it's it's done for you. That's the beauty of of trackers and things like this is you don't have to like make it up and make your own. And, you know, people who bullet journal 
are I don't understand what they do with their <laughs> lives. Um, that is like so overwhelming for me to have to create a like my planner every day. So the fact that these are already done is amazing. Um, so I hope people are excited to check them out. And I also hope that people are listening and hearing your story and hearing all the stories that I have had people share through this series and seeing, you know, whatever it is that you're passionate about, that you are experiencing, that you can use to create good in the world. And it doesn't matter how big or small or public or not that it is, uh, but your creativity can have a real impact on other people. Can you share a little bit more about the impact that you see these trackers having? Um, I, it's not even, so the trackers, uh, yes, have been impactful and I've had so, but the biggest thing is just having people reach out to me saying, thank you for talking about this publicly. Mm -hmm. So everyone kind of has their personal experience with the tracker and that's fantastic. But I think the biggest thing is that they're hinged to me telling my story and it's not just a product that's made to make money. It's also to be like, hey, this is something we need to talk about this. And if you're someone who maybe needs something like this, you can know that at least I have been through this before. Even if nobody else says that they have or talks to you about it, at least you know one other person is out there. And so for me, the biggest thing has been sharing my experience either through like podcast interviews like this or also on Instagram or through blog posts or even just the page that I have on my website um, has been kind of a way of connecting people, connecting to people I might not have otherwise connected to. Yeah. And I love that I'm able to kind of facilitate that and bring people together and bring people on who my audience may not have heard of before or topics they may not have even thought to dive into. And so that's why I love this series and how um, broad it is. And so I think maybe sometimes people see what I'm talking about each week and they're like, what does that have to do with my creativity? And it has everything to do with your creativity because we talk about living a creative lifestyle. And um, I hope that you guys are really enjoying this um, and just being more open and aware of, of what's happening in the world and with yourself and in your art and how it's all tied in and related. Um, can you, okay, so we're going to move on to like our lightning round of questions, which never go fast. Um <laughs> Tell us what your biggest creative success is. would say just making products that people can relate to and building a business off of my creativity. Uh, I know that's pretty broad, <laughs> but, um, but I feel like it was something that like you heard in my story was very windy road of like, what am I doing? How am I going to do it? What do I want to do? What fits and feels true to me? Um, so finally being able to land on something that is still going and is still relatable and being able to make products that can help people. Um, yeah, that's truly fulfilling and feels really successful. <laughs> yeah. I think the biggest part of our art is the connection that we make from it. And, you know, it's fine to make it and never show it to anyone. And it is scary. Like when you share it, people might not like it and it might go really bad, but you're, someone's going to like it and it's going to mean something to them and change something for them. And that connection is like 
unexplainable how fantastic that part of the creativity is. And so I really encourage people listening. If you are not sharing your art, we need to see it. We, we want to um, connect with you over that and, and learn from you. Um, so make sure you're, like I said, use the how she creates hashtag so we can see what you're creating every day. Um, Shana, so tell us what your biggest creative struggle is. Um, so this also ties in pretty well to what we've been talking about, but, um, a lot of times when I tap into my creative side and then I get stuck there or I can get, I can get into a downward spiral where it's just kind of like tapping into these dark emotions all the time. Um, so then needing to have the balance of, you know, being creative, but then also being analytical. And it was actually something I struggled with a lot when I was initially in art school, that I would just spend all this time, like getting into the rabbit hole of like making, making, making. And for me, it's not a healthy place to be in all the time. I need to, you know, access my analytical side and my, um, my, the other side of my brain so that I can have a more balanced understanding of the world. So for you, your creativity is more tied to some of those negative emotions and experiences. It's not entirely, but it's not necessarily tied to negative emotions. It's just the more I spend time being emotional, the harder it is to be reasonable about the emotions that I'm having. So it just becomes like a becomes into it come turns into like a a place that's harder for me to control which is great and it's good to be out of control you just can't be out of control all the time if that yes so what do you do when you see yourself kind of going that direction how do you turn yourself around uh, a lot. So a lot of my creativity it happens when I'm alone and by myself um, and I kind of so I try to, you know, take a time out and, you know, see a friend or talk to my husband or I try to do things that require less output on my own accord and maybe take input from other people, which is also then feeds the creativity as well. It's just the more I'm drawing from my own well, the kind of more it goes down can spiral out of control, if that makes sense. So just kind of stepping out of myself a little bit. Yeah, I I think that's great advice for everyone. Um, But I think that'll be really helpful for some people who may feel the same way. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I don't think you have to, for me, I feel like I don't feel like I, in order to be creative, it has to go to these dark places. It just has a tendency if I keep it unchecked to go to those places. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, too, too much of any good thing is a bad thing. <laughs> exactly. So what have you been learning creatively lately? Um, so for me and what I do currently is I run a business and I am also creative. So a lot of times I actually spend too much time on the other side of, you know, my brain, which is running a business, running numbers, managing people, you know, coming up with marketing plans, things like that, that are less creative in terms of producing things. And so for me, I've 
spent a really long time, especially when I first opened my retail shop, kind of only going through the logistics of that. And so being able to find a balance and have more time, let's say, by myself to be creative, to make things, I've had to figure out how to construct my schedule. So I have multiple days off in a row or not off, but (laughs) multiple days away from the retail shop. Um, so that I can spend that time internally so I can start to, you know, come up with new ideas and create things that are new in the world. Very, very nice. I think a lot of people can relate to that. What is your morning routine? Um, So I would say that I have more of a nighttime routine than a morning routine just because for me, sleeping has always been a challenge. Um, And it's easier for me to actually sleep in the morning than it is at night. So I like uh, when I wake up in the morning, depends on how well I slept the night before, depends on what I did the night before. Um, but my that being said, my morning routine is usually I'll like wake up between like 7 and 9 a.m. depending on how well I slept. And then I try, I've been trying to get back into running recently. So the last few months, every other day, I'll go for like a 30-minute run and then I'll make coffee and then just dive into my work for the day. So and that depends on what I have going on that day. Um, my nighttime routine is much more regimented um, to make sure that I can like fall asleep and get the, you know, get the sleep and rest that I need in order to have a good day the next day. Oh, tell us that. (laughs) We're all intrigued now. Yeah. Um, So I usually um, stop like looking at my phone or doing any work, like maybe around like eight, between eight and nine. Uh, I have a face routine that I do. So just like, you know, wash my face, put on moisturizer, whatever that usually takes me, floss my teeth, brush my teeth. Uh, that, that whole like, you know, powering down starts at like, you know, let's say like nine to nine thirty. Um, I do have some medication that I take to help me sleep. So I'll take that at nine thirty and then get into bed and then turn on a movie that I have seen before. Um, really quiet. So movies have um longer storylines, so they're a little bit less like fast paced than TV and something I've seen before. So it can kind of be like voices in the background, but I'm not like necessarily paying attention to the plot line. Um, And then within an hour to, it usually takes me a while to fall asleep too. So like, let's say like I get in bed around 10, I'll be asleep by like 1130. Um, And then I sleep with white noise and an eye mask. yeah. And then I try, I hope and pray that I sleep through the night, but I usually get up a few times. <laughs> oh, that is so interesting. I've never heard anyone describe a movie like that and how they use it to fall asleep. That That's yep. a good one. Well, what happens is when I fall asleep is when my brain turns mm-hmm. on or when I'm going mm-hmm. to bed is when th- things start getting activated. So in order to distract me from anything that's going on internally, I have the movie and the voices and kind of like a little bit of a story to get me out of my head, but not something so much I have to pay attention to it either. Oh, we have very similar weird sleep things. That is (laughs) so interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to think about that one. Um, So what does living a creative lifestyle look like for you? 
Um, for me, it is my business, obviously, um, being able to translate what, you know, are my personal experiences into products that I can share with the world. Um, so, so that, so yeah, so that's what it is for me. And what's your favorite resource for creativity? Um, so as we discussed earlier, um, for me, I feel most creative when I'm by myself. Um, I feel like especially these days with internet, we can get so caught up in seeing what other people are doing, being influenced by others' imagery, um, be distracted by all the means of distraction that we have. And for me, it's really, and I need to get away from all of that and tap into what's inside of me in order to create something that's, you know, new and relevant and authentic. Oh, that's such a good one. I mean, are we ever really alone? You're right with these creepy phones listening yeah. to us all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So it is sometime December, 2019. What is new with you? What can we be looking forward to? Um, so December, I have a retail shop and it's a gift shop. Um, we specialize in, you know, gifts under $50 that are funny and playful. Um, so anyway, it's going to be really busy in the retail shop. So I kind of put everything on hold just to make sure that that's running smoothly for the next few weeks. I mean, everyone here has probably gone Christmas shopping before, (laughs) so it gets pretty crazy, um, pretty nonstop. And then, um, and then next year we're getting ready for our, uh, 2020 release, which is going to include three new mental health trackers and several new card designs and also new stickers. So I'm pretty excited about those. They're funny and poignant and Um, I keep getting really great feedback about the mental health trackers. So continuing to add those to the, to our product line and to be able to continue to talk about my story in a many, in as many ways as I can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and your creative process with us. It is always so fascinating. I love to hear how other creatives think about their work and how they share it and how they're using it to create good in the world. And um, I'm just so grateful that you are choosing to do that, that you're sharing your story and creating so much good for so many people in the world. Um, And I hope everyone goes and checks out your mental health trackers at stillpedalpress.com and connect with Shana and say hello. Um, Thank you so much for being here. This has been really, really fun. And I cannot wait to see what new stuff you have coming out in 2020. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really great. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening as a special gift. Shana has a gift for you, a code for 10% off your purchase to anything in her shop. And it is good at any time. And the code is you are not alone. And the first letters are capitalized. So you capital Y, R capital A, not capital N, alone capital A. You are not alone. So enter that at checkout whenever you're shopping at Steel Pedal Press. Grab your mental health tracker today and 
have some fun, you guys. Take care of yourself. And let's thank Shayna for sharing her wisdom with us and for the discount code. So have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to How She Creates. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to know more about the show, please visit lauren-likes.com slash podcast and be sure to sign up for the newsletter to know when new episodes are out and to stay up to date with all of the crafty creative happenings around here. If you would take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes, that would be so helpful to let me know what you thought of the show and share with all your friends on Instagram by tagging me at Lauren Likes blog and using the hashtag howshecreates. Until next week, I hope you get curious and go explore something.